Let's pray. Father God, we pray your spirit to be alive and active in this place, uh, amongst us, within us. Lord God, we don't want this to be just a, a gathering of people. We don't want this to be the next lodge or club. We want this to be a thriving family of God, an effective tool in your hand. We want to be the, the people from which your gospel is spread. The building won't do it. The walls don't speak. But Lord, we pray that your spirit would speak through us. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. God's plan to spread the gospel message to the end of the earth is a spirit-empowered plan. The, the power is not our own. We receive it, don't we? And the gospel is not of ourselves. We witness to it. These are the things God has done, and we bear witness of it. We are his witnesses. So, so how will God do it? What will he use? Who will be the tool in his hand? You, you, you. You and I are the means through which the Lord has chosen to work. And before you decide that God can't use you or won't use you, where you are and for who he has created you to be and gifted you to be, in our passage today we're going to see God using the gifted, talented, educated, and experienced believer. Yes, he does use those kind. We're also going to see God using the ignorant, greedy, and arrogant non-believer without a lick of faith in their heart. And we're going to see God using the new, freshly changed lives of the recent convert. All of these different people, tools in the hand of God to, to share the truth of the gospel because God is awesome. And he is indeed able to do more than all we ask or imagine. Go ahead and open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, we're going to start at verse 1, read through verse 20. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. Acts 19, starting at verse 1, it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning 
and persuading them about the kingdom of God. And when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of, God, of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped upon them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, and it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. The reading of the word of God. Please have a seat. Thank you. This passage, it gives us a proper perspective on God's choice to work through people to spread his gospel. Perhaps you're one to say, God can't use me, I, I'm no Paul, I don't have that depth of theology or that education. Or, or maybe you're on the opposite side and you think, I'm so glad I'm not like the rest of these. How will they learn unless somebody like me is here to help them learn the real truth of the Word of God, right? And we don't usually say that one out loud because that would be arrogant, right? But, but in our high theology and learnedness, sometimes we, we tend to lean in that direction if we're honest, right? Today's passage brings us to, to a balance between these two perspectives. God can use you. God wants to use you. You are the means through which he desires to let his glory be known on the earth to the ends of the earth. But you and I are not the end. We are not the end all of the gospel mission. God is sovereign and he will be glorified by all that he has created. Remember, this is all his. It's his gospel, it's his kingdom, it's his glory, it's his earth. It's his spirit at work to bring people to faith and reconciliation to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Did you see the spirit of God at work in this passage, throughout this passage, his presence in the midst of it all? It was the spirit that indwelt the new believers, right? When they were finally baptized in Jesus' name, it was his spirit that empowered them to speak in tongues and to prophesy. It was the spirit of God that did the extraordinary miracles through Paul so that the sick were healed and the evil spirits were cast out. Verse 11, it says, And God 
was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And we also see in the, in the sons of Sceva that apart from the empowerment of God, apart from the Spirit of God, this is all an exercise in futility. They could do nothing apart from the Spirit of God at work in their midst through them. We're going to see three result clauses of these different groups of people that God uses in this passage. The first of these is in verse 10. We see something that happens through Paul with those people. And in verse 10 it says, This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. The second result clause comes in verse 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. So what had happened with the sons of Sceva, and we see that fear, the result is that fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. And in verse 20, we have our last one. So, therefore, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Let's look at verses 1 through 10 as we, we see the Lord using the gifted, talented, educated, and experienced believer. It says, starting in verse 1, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country, came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. God used Paul. He used Paul to bring these disciples to a, a greater understanding of Jesus and the Spirit of God. He baptized them in Jesus' name. The Spirit filled them. They spoke in tongues. They were empowered by the Spirit because Paul came to them, and Paul knew the right questions to ask. And Paul asked those questions. He received their answers. He heard them, and he asked them the next question. He brought them along to the point where they realized they needed to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and believe upon his name and his name alone. It wasn't a matter of works. It wasn't a matter of our repentance that brings us God's grace. God's grace brings us to repentance. And Paul knew how to bring them around to that. God, God the Lord designs to use the experienced and knowledgeable believer. The one who has the deep, rich theology. 
The one who can speak boldly with reason, persuading people about the kingdom of God. God has given you these gifts on purpose. He has given you this understanding so that you might encourage and build up and feed into the lives of others. And because Paul had committed himself to the will of God, verse 10, this continued for two years so that the residents of Asia heard the word of God. Not just the residents of Asia, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. God used Paul mightily, using every gift that he had given to Paul that the word of God might be shared to all the residents of Asia. But did you see how God also used the non-believer right there? How God pushes Paul out of the synagogue to take that gospel public to the hall of Ternus. Verse 9, it says, But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Paul didn't leave the synagogue because things were going well or because he came to the conclusion on his own that he really should take this gospel out of the synagogue. He moved on because God used those non-believers to push him out of the synagogue, out to the hall of Tyrannus. Now, Notice how God can use that which we see as good. Paul and all of his God-given abilities and understanding, right? And God takes that which is in itself sinful and wrong, and we see as evil those who stubbornly spoke evil of the way, right? Notice how God can work these things together, how he does work these things together to drive the gospel to a greater audience. Paul is a good tool. He's an excellent tool, but he's a tool. It is God who does the work. Verse 11, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. God's empowerment, moving God's truth forward as God works in and behind the scenes. Paul himself admits in Romans chapter 15, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. To bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. If, If Paul is proud, if he has accomplished anything, it all points back to the Spirit of God at work through him for the sake of Jesus Christ and the gospel. Are you knowledgeable in the Word? Here at Alden Union Church, we were started as a Bible school. We are, we are proud of our fundamental basis on God's Word. 
and our knowledge and understanding, our teaching of the accuracy that, of God's word that is dependent solely upon God's word, aren't we? It's not a bad thing to have your foundation in God's word. Are you knowledgeable in God's word? Are you gifted to teach? Are you effective in it? If you are any of these things, if you are all of these things, then let us humbly remember that the gifts we have, the knowledge and understanding of God's word, if we have knowledge and understanding, the gospel we share and the opportunities we receive to do these things, it all belongs to God. Our effectiveness, our personal effectiveness for the sake of the gospel, it all belongs to God. And let's make it our ambition to continue to preach and teach the gospel wherever the Lord leads us, wherever he takes us, and to whoever he brings our way. Let it be our ambition to continue to be used by God with humility as we perceive and understand that it's all from him. And it's all for him. Paul was a tool in the hand of God. In the next section of our passage, verse 17, it tells us, And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. How is it that the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled? Verse 11. God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even the handkerchiefs and aprons of, that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. Then, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? The man in whom was the evil spirit leaped upon them, mastered all of them, overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded, and this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Here we have an interaction between an evil spirit and seven ignorant, greedy, and arrogant non-believers. There, there was no great mind or heart for God in this part of the passage. Just some guys who were trying to make a buck to use the name of Jesus for their own personal gain, like it was some kind of magic phrase to use, some magic formula, selling their services as exorcists. In this situation, the truth of God, the truth of the gospel, simply shines for what it is. Their failure here pointed people to the truth of Jesus. Their failure here causes the name of Jesus to be honored, to be extolled, to be magnified, because Jesus can't be used by the world for a worldly goal. God is in control. We do not control God. God is the one to whom all the glory should be pointing towards. 
And so it does, even the lives of non-believers, even those who don't have any care in the world for Jesus Christ or the sake of the gospel. God is in control. The sons of Sceva could accomplish nothing apart from Christ being with them, Christ working through them. But God could still use them as tools for his glory. Here again, he he causes people to be the tools of the delivery of the absolute truth of Jesus Christ, even people who don't love him. Because the truth of the gospel stands as truth. With or without us. Because this is our Father's world, not mine. And even the faithless can be tools in the hand of God. As Paul said in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, Some indeed preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to inflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. One way or another, God will have the truth proclaimed. His word will accomplish what he has sent it to do. Isaiah 55, 11, right? It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word will succeed on this earth. In the final section of our passage today, God uses the reborn lives of those who had just come to faith as they put that heart change that's been manifested in them on display for all to see. Verses 18 and 19. Also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, and it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, these are not non-believers, but these people aren't like Paul either, are they? They, they aren't that educated, that, 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 those great apologists that Paul was. They don't have the experience, the knowledge and the understanding, the depth of theology or the same ability to reason and persuade with words like Paul did. But they do have a testimony. And that's a tool that every single person in here who has accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, every single one of us has that. And they put their testimony on display for everybody to see. Verse 18. Also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. They came confessing and divulging. They came out saying, this is who I was, and this is what God has done, and this is who I am, and it's completely different, and I have a faith, and I have a hope and a future in Jesus Christ. This is who I was, but God. 
They came out confessing the the themes, proclaiming the themes from Ephesians chapter 2. And I was dead in the trespasses and sins in which I once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all live in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We were practicing magic. We did these spells. We gave ourselves to the demonic. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when I was dead in my trespasses, made me alive together with Christ. By grace, I have been saved. They came out giving a testimony. And they backed up that confession with actions to match, didn't they? Verse 19. And a number of those who had practiced magical arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them, and it came out to 50,000 pieces of silver. That 50,000 pieces of silver would have amounted to 137 years of wages for a day worker. 137 years of wages, and they burned it. They were willing to to give it up for the sake of Christ. Not to resell it, not to get something back for it and, and pass it on to someone else, but recognizing what it represented, that the magical arts stood in direct opposition to God. They destroyed it. And because of their testimony in both words, as they confessed and divulged, And in action, as they burned those things, giving up the profit it could have been. Not because they could expound upon Scripture as Paul could, but because of the change that God had made in their hearts, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. If we looked a little further back than this passage, we've seen Apollos, who was eloquent, educated, and powerful in the Scriptures, but not perfect, right? We saw Priscilla and Aquila, who were knowledgeable and able to teach and willing to cross that comfort barrier, but they were tent makers, not theologians, not scholars. In our passage today, we've seen Paul, who was insightful, a great apologist, a teacher, a preacher, a theologian. He was bold. He was gifted. It would seem he was made to do this work of taking the gospel out. And so he was. We've seen the sons of Sceva, ignorant, non-believers, out for their own gain, trying to use the name of Christ like a magic wand. And we've also seen the newly repentant believer, who simply stepped out, spoke their testimony, and then backed it up with their actions, with with their changed lives on display for other people to see. Not continuing to be like the world or the people around them, but being different, living different, and showing that. With this motley crew, 
God is establishing his kingdom. Each person was different. None of them were perfect. But each and every one of them was a tool in the hand of God for the sake of the gospel because he, had, he has chosen to work through us to spread the gospel. And the world needs to see things like us using our minds and gifts of teaching, reasoning, and persuading for the sake of the gospel because ours is an intelligent faith. They need to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ is truth in spite of the world, that it stands regardless of what anyone says and does. And they need to see our lives changed. To see that the gospel has a real effect. To see how the heart change plays itself out in our daily lives and points to what Christ has done in us, showing them the reality of what we believe. You know, God didn't call the perfect to Acts 1.8. God called you. God called me. Because God does not need the perfect. Because God can work through anyone. He, he has even chosen the weak to put his strength and glory on display. 1 Corinthians. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. A look into who God can use as his means to his gospel end. That he can use the, the educated believer. He can use the non-believer. He can use the new believer. All, all of these different people. A look into who God can use as his means should be humbling. If God can use non-believers to push the gospel out of the synagogue and get Paul out there, if God can use an interaction between an evil spirit and, and the seven sons of Sceva to magnify the name of Christ, who didn't even believe on him. If God could use these the same way he does Pharaoh in Exodus, Exodus chapter 9, 16, what does it say? But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. If God can use even these, or the brand new believer who doesn't have a deep, rich theology, then I am utterly replaceable. I need to realize I am utterly replaceable. God does not need me. But at the same time, the fact that God can use anyone is such a blessing and an encouragement because while I might be utterly replaceable, I will not be replaced. You might be utterly replaceable, but God will not replace you. I'm not chosen by God because of who I am or what I have done. God did not call you because he needed you. He called you because he wanted you. 
God called you because he loves you with an everlasting love. A love that took him all the way to the cross. We, in all of our imperfection, all of our shortfall, are his inheritance. He calls us his inheritance. An inheritance is something you look forward to, something you value, right? Ephesians chapter 118, Paul says that we should know the hope to which we've been called. What are the riches of God's glorious inheritance in the saints? Not only are God's inheritance, we're God's glorious inheritance. Did you know that God sings over you? God sings over you. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 The Lord your God is in your midst a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness he will quiet you by his love and he will exult over you with loud singing He loves you so deeply so richly so amazingly You right where you are in your place in life, are exactly the person that God wants to work through. In spite of your faults and shortcomings, with all your gifts and abilities that he has given to you, all the understanding that you have at this time, even if it's only used through your testimony and your changed life, Today we've looked at several different situations and how God used different people from different walks of life in different ways. And this passage closes with, So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. It's the last line of the passage. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And it just made me ask, what will the last line of my life be? Will it be, Joe Jacobson was on this earth, so the word of the Lord continued to prevail mightily. What will the last line of our life be? The saved people in this passage, they, they glorify God intentionally. The unsaved, the lost, glorified God incidentally just by chance because god used them anyways one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess but will i be a tool in god's hand here and now on purpose how can i do that it looked different for paul than it did for the new believers, but both were effective tools in, hand, in God's hand because both were empowered by the same Spirit of God to accomplish His end. Who has God created you to be for Him? What gifts and abilities can you use for Him? Am I intentional about being God's means to a gospel end? Intentional or incidental, we will be used for God's glory. I'd rather be intentional. Let us be an intentional body for Christ here at Alden Union. Let's pray. Father God, give us eyes. Give us eyes to see your purposes for this body. 
I pray, Lord, that you give us strength to take action, to be like a Priscilla and Aquila and step out of our comfort zones, to use every last bit of faith that you've given to us, be it uh, uh, gifts of knowledge and experience and, and rich theology or simply in our testimony. Father God, help us to be the means that you use to spread your gospel to the ends of the earth. Lord, help us to be intentional and not incidental. Help us to be on purpose and not by accident to your glory. Help us to become sanctified, to become conformed to the image of your Son. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.